We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, everyone. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and welcome to the Visual Workplace, where every week we talk about some aspect of making the workplace, letting the workplace speak. I'm really glad I can be with you today. I look forward to these shows because I've discovered over the last 30 years, which is uh, how long I've been in this field, that there is a way of utilizing information in the workplace that puts the information, embeds the information into the landscape of work and allows us to do our work because the workplace is actually supervising us. The workplace is managing us. The workplace is telling us what to do, when to do it, how to do it, if we're doing it right, if we're doing it wrong, helping us make adjustments. The workplace itself becomes our supervisor, our manager, our coach, our teacher, our feedback loop. This is something that Toyota and some of the other great companies in the world discovered pretty much on their own because we are, by our nature, visual beings And they simply extended it so that the workplace was supporting our readiness and our capacity to absorb and respond to visual information, all kinds of sensory data, data that we uh, absorb, information that we absorb through our senses, sight, taste, smell, hearing, touch, all of our senses, okay? And they said, let's capitalize on it, even though the discussion at the time was not about capitalizing on the senses. It only took me 20 years of research to figure out what was really going on. That is what's really going on. We're using our senses that are actually underutilized because we're so hyper-civilized, so to speak. We have so much technology that surrounds us that we no longer rely on the gifts of our chemistry, the gifts of our body to help us along our way, the way we used to before we were so civilized, before we had all this technology. So the visual workplace in a way is a scrappy little thing that allows us to kind of get back to our roots as human beings, as physical bodies, and allows our physical body to participate in our life in a way that we sort of didn't expect. 
We didn't expect that our bodies would actually help us do our work and do it better, understand our work, and in fact improve our work. And this is what the visual workplace has brought. In Toyota, all of this was, so to speak, hidden in plain sight. All of this was there, but it wasn't really spoken about. And even if you look at the lean literature today or the lean training, visuality is a kind of add-on. It wasn't codified into a strategic framework or even a tactical operational framework that could actually not just change the complexion of work, the nature of work, but also be a strategic competitive advantage. But it is now because we're learning that it is. We're learning how to make visuality robust, how to amp it up, how to actually utilize its promise and its potential. And that's what this show is about. So I've been doing this work now over 30 years, <laughs> over 30 years. I'm a really, really, really old person, and it has been my great pleasure to do this. I've learned so much, and I've been able to make a contribution out of that learning. All of the folks who opened, all of the companies who opened my their doors to me in the 1980s and 90s, in a sense, are still are benefiting from their openness and their willingness to have me come in because I have used their companies as a laboratory to learn how to implement visuality successfully. And many of them have not just been helped, but several of them, and I can name them by name, actually did not go out of business because of it. It's a pretty low-cost and a very high-impact way of bringing excellence to your current production system, even if you can't move into the so-called lean phase. One piece flow, small batch production, even if you can't do it, even if you have low stock and low volume, some of my customers, some of the some of you out there will take a year or two to create really fantastic manufactured or fabricated events. Some of you are in, in construction and there's another way, another venue where we can use visuality that is not really one piece flow. So the thing about the language of visuality is that it can be brought into any venue, whether that's a hospital, an office, an engineering office, an open pit mine, a retail store, dry cleaners, a restaurant, manufacturing utilities, whatever it is, it helps. Where there's a gathering of people, where there's complexity, visuality is there as a coping mechanism to help us maximize that venue. So that's a very long introduction. <clears throat> I'm pretty inspired today <laughs> to talk about visuality. I've been doing some really great work that I might have been telling you about in the textile industry, but also in the precision of biomedical. And I'm just so inspired and so I feel so lucky to have this opportunity to work with the um, with the framework of visual information sharing and sensory information sharing. So today we're going to continue our march through borders. We did this through smart placement, and boy, wasn't that interesting. And then a couple of weeks ago, we began borders, the logic of borders, the first part of the visual where. We had figured out where things go smartly, based on flow, based on removing the struggle, 
by using smart placement. And now we're going to nail the son of a gun down with our borders. Borders, three, one-third of the formula for the visual wear, which I prefer to call my 5S, the visual wear, implementing the visual wear. Because in talking about that and talking about the visual wear, we're talking about implementing functionality and not simply using a method. 5S is a method, but it really doesn't talk about the outcome, even though we sometimes pretend it does. We 5S'd. But in fact, because people didn't talk about the expected outcome from the 5S, they've been satisfied with neat and clean, and they audit the heck out of it, out of neat and clean. But what about the visual part? What about the part that happens after neat and clean, where we embed procedures, where we embed placement? That's what this is about. Last week, we talked about the logic of borders, and I talked about the logic of patterns. I think we may change that title in our archive so you can find it more easily. I have to talk to my producer about that and maybe change it to the mind is a pattern-seeking mechanism. Remember that story I told you? Very, very important for understanding the power of borders. Borders are not so many lines useful for neatness and order but not much more they can actually impact your KPIs measurably, tangibly, and in an ongoing fashion. They strengthen, borders will strengthen your work culture, your culture of continuous improvement. So we talked about that last week, along with the 12 reasons. Actually, um, the mind is a pattern-seeking mechanism was the show right before then. This week, we're going to talk about smart borders. And in my description of the show... I said, smart borders, dimensions of meaning. We're going to begin that now. I have one small announcement. First, I want to thank you for your emails. They make me so happy. Radio at visualworkplace.com. <clears throat> thank you. I want to thank you for your emails and your, your phone calls and saying that you hope me, hope that I felt better. One uh, good person called from Australia to say, oh, gee, you sound terrible. But I'm much better now. You can still feel the kind of roughness in my voice. So I want to thank you for that. Please stay in touch with me. You can't, you cannot know how happy that makes me and how much it gives me strength to carry on. I think I'm going to burst into song. (laughs) So (laughs) let's talk about one event that's happening. Actually, it's a double hitter in England. In May, on May the 23rd and 24th, and then again, again on May the 28th and 29th, I'm doing a visual workplace visual thinking seminar, and on the next day, a visual factory site assessment. Last week, uh, there was confessions of a site, a visual site assessor. Well, it is doing that at a folk, at a factory. After the seminar, so folks can learn how to use these tools, and then we're going to apply the tools to an actual factory and present our findings, codify our findings, understand our findings, and then make some recommendations for next steps. I coach it. I facilitate the discussion. I try to frame the possibility of learning further of through application. And on the second day, we'll also have a special visual workplace case study. So uh, the folks who come can see how these work together. We're happy to do exactly the same thing at your site for your group instead of for a public group. 
This is what we do a lot of the time. It's usually a two-piece process, the seminar where we present the concepts and the principles and the practices and the frameworks of thinking. And the second day, we assess your sight and you learn how to see more. You learn how to see and how to see, most importantly, what is not there. Our focus sites are the first part, the 23rd and 24th of May, a group called Haslock. They're in Birmingham. It's one of the UK's favorite gardening brands. Many, many, many awards exporting to about 60 countries. And the next week on the 28th and 29th, we're going to be at PPE, Precision Polymer Engineering in Blackburn, up there near the lakes. And they design and develop high-performance mold, molded uh, rubber gaskets and components for aerospace, biotechnology, uh, the diesel engine for food and dairy, mechanical seals, paint and spray, pharmaceuticals, semiconductor industries. Okay, So both these sites are really fine sites. There's much to learn from them to begin with, and then we will do our application. So you can write us if you need more, or you can get in touch with the Lean Management Journal in England, who uh, is sponsoring this work. And um, But if you email us, we'll pass your inquiry along. We'll be sending out a... Um, we'll be sending out a flyer on this today or tomorrow. So today... So now we're going to shift back to today. And we're going to talk about smart borders. We don't call them smart lines because borders already suggest a higher level of function than a line does. A line is simply a geometric coordinate. It actually has no substance to it at all. It's very difficult for a line to impact human performance. It barely exists. But a border can actually tangibly contribute to the nature of work, to the performance of work, and to the improvement of work. It functions dynamically as an operational partner in the how, the when, and the where of how work gets done and when work gets done and which work gets done and where. So we want you to think about borders for this show and for this series on borders as a contributor to your KPIs and have that expectation. And if your so-called lines are not contributing not just to location, but actually to performance, then ask more of them. They're ready to do this work. They are the workhorses of the operational level. So we're going to slide into a break now. When we come back, we will get into these dimensions of meanings. I will share seven or eight or nine different ways of putting meaning into your borders and getting more of their actual potential to serve your production process. I'll see you in just a minute. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Hi, it's Gwendolyn at the Visual Workplace. Today we're going to be talking about smart borders. By the way, this is a live show, so you can call in or you can email at radio at visualworkplace.com and we will um, respond to that as well. But please call in. And the number, which was announced just a moment ago, to call in is... Here we go, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, and Matt will just tell me that you're on the line, and we'll, we'll take your question, absolutely. And you know, I forgot one other announcement um, uh, before the break, and that is we are probably, we are going to be doing our first and probably only Train the Trainer uh, this summer. It's going to be at a winery, California Winery. And, uh, should be really a beautiful venue, but also these folks are very, very interested in visuality. And we, uh, will do a training of trainers that will be, uh, four days plus one more day. If you haven't been to my overview seminar, then, and you want to come to the training, then you'll need to look at that as well. So, uh, we'll, we'll send an announcement out or you can email us and we'll get back to you. Let's return to smart borders, dimensions of meaning. The more we understand our work and the more we understand what keeps us from it, and we use one word to talk about that, we call it motion, moving without working, the more fully we recognize how borders can help us. Borders change our understanding of how to perform work and work content. And you know what? As our understanding grows, the borders change. 
as we get smarter, our borders will get smarter as well because we have made them so. They demonstrate our level of intelligence visually. So when we get more intelligent, it becomes very logical for us to make our borders grow as well. So you have to really change your mind about borders needing to stay permanently in place. And the key to that, the key to being able and willing to change your borders is to figure out how to lay them down so they last a year and how to pick them up overnight. If you do not do that, and in a different show, we will explain that to you, at least as far as we understand it, in terms of tape or paint. You have a number of options. When you learn that, then you will be able to change your mind and change your borders. Change your mind, change your borders. Change your mind, change your borders. Get smarter, the border gets smarter. Instead of not laying down borders... Because you're afraid you'll change your mind, you're not quite ready to say, this is my best thinking that I want to capture in borders, or you lay them down and you know that the production flow will change, or that you're having a very dynamic application of cell design, so you'll want to change that. The formula for borders is borders. I didn't, I forgot to tell you this before telling you that it was the third part, one of the three parts. So it's borders, addresses, and if possible, an ID label for everything that casts a shadow. That's what makes up the visual wear. Borders first, addresses second, and ID labels, if possible, for everything that casts a shadow in both, in all three cases. Borders for everything that casts a shadow. I'll talk about that more in a second. And the ID label, don't worry about it. It's like a dog tag on the thing itself. It's a consum- if it's a consumable, you won't be dog tagging it. Okay? So visuality, because it is a form of language, allows us to use visual devices to communicate broad concepts and very, very specific ones, subtle ones and obvious ones. We call these levels, dimensions of meaning. And let me give you an example of a border that got smarter. So this is at Hamilton Standard many years ago, and it was one of those enormously long forklift lanes where you walk to the right or the left, stay out of the way of the forklift, and they're moving products back and forth, back and forth. This is before Hamilton went lean. This was back in 90, 96, 97. And I remember a border. I got to know a border really, really well. And it was at one of these yellow borders that was running along each side of the lane. But the border that I got to know so well was one that was in front of a door. And this border in front of the door did not run along straight. It notched out. It notched out. And I looked at that border and I said, holy cow. I got the whole story. I got the whole backstory, And it was clear to me that some poor Joe or Josephine came out of that door, which was right along. There was a door right along this very, very wide and long aisleway where the forklifts ran, this traffic lane. Somebody opened that door and got kaboomed, got hit with a forklift driver. 
I know because there was a remnant of the previously straight border still visible where this border became notched. There was a remnant of paint left. And you knew the story. The forklift driver said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that. I didn't see you coming. But actually what he was saying is, I didn't expect the wall to open. I didn't realize a door was there because I've moved up and down this forklift lane so many times and that wall has never moved before. I lost the habit of worrying about it. So when the door did open and the person was moving through the door, the forklift driver was going at so-called full speed, hadn't slowed down against the possibility. He felt very bad. And, of course, the person who got bumped felt very bad as well. Everybody felt bad. And they said what to do. And they reminded him of what the rules were and they were ready to revoke his forklift license, etc., etc. And then someone who thought visually said, wait a minute, can't we build in a reminder right there on the spot that there's a door there? Because if this gentleman who is so earnest and so diligent forgot someone else is going to forget and so they notched the yellow line out into a box that only had three sides it was empty at the top where the door opened and in a sense it caught the range of motion wonderful wonderful example of how when we get smarter the borders get smarter do you see so i want to see if we can cover Eight so-called dimensions of meaning that make your border smarter, but only when you get smarter. One of them is called extending the border function. Another is using borders as visual controls. Another is the use of dots and commas. Another, one of my favorite, person with borders. The fifth one is dashed borders. The sixth is photocopied borders. Bet you wonder what that is. I can hardly wait to tell you. The seventh is slanted borders, and the eighth is a double-up function. It's called double border function. Okay? So we're going to begin these. We'll see if we can get through them all. If not, we'll pick them up on the next show. We've got two or three more shows left on borders. Yes, they're that important. And normally when we teach this, we teach about borders in an hour, an hour and a half. But the subtlety of borders come along the way as we troubleshoot borders that aren't functioning on a high enough level such as the one that we just described with the forklift accident so let's do number one extending the border function borders reflect your understanding of the function of workplace items the workplace item that each border surrounds we don't merely focus on putting a fat line around the hard edges of the physical item we first determine the the things, the item's range of function, and we border the range of function. It's a little bit different than bordering the range of motion, which we will be talking about in a moment, and we have done a second ago with the forklift accident. So we want to let the border encompass the range of function. And I told you about this machine last week, a big old CNC machine, 
and we see the border around the machine and we notice the machine is in one place but the border is three feet away. But when you look up from the border, you will see that there is a shadow being cast, but it's being cast by a narrow aluminum conveyor that is part of the machine's function, although not part of the original machine, but we still captured that. The conveyor cast a shadow, and we captured the function that that shadow represented, which is the conveyor. So borders, use your borders to make the full range of function visual, and you'll get to see what <coughs> Sheila Bowersmith, whose machine this was, and who did the borders around her CNC, what she discovered. She discovered that while there was a conveyor belt two or three feet above the floor, by capturing the functionality of that conveyor, with her yellow border, that was the color coding for, for machinery, with her yellow border, she suddenly was able to see the space between the border and the machine itself, about three linear feet. And she said, oh my goodness, I can use that space. She never noticed it before because it was never bordered. She never knew that that space was costing the company money and not making a contribution because she never noticed it before. And suddenly there it was, and it was her decision whether to say, I'm going to utilize that space because there's no danger there. It's just a really great little corner to put maybe my changeover tools in or to store something, or I can decide not to use it at all, but it will be my decision. And if I don't want to use it at all, I'll just hatch it up. Or I'll say, keep clear. But I'll communicate visually in some way that this is not a piece of the floor that will function as anything other than the space between the conveyor and the machine itself. But that's your decision. But can you see how the border itself let us see this unutilized space? And I will tell you, if you look for it, especially if you're early in your journey, you will find 20 to 30 to 40 percent of the space that is on your floor that is not utilized and not even noticed as being not utilized because there's no border there to call your attention to it. So when you put the border around that which does function, you will automatically see what else is available. And then, you know, if you want to, you can start moving that space, shrinking that space so that you have a more accelerated flow. Now, you know that that is the purpose of smart placement, to do that very thing. But if you, when you use borders, you are likely to find more of an opportunity. You will certainly, if you have not done smart placement, have the need for smart placement once again validated. So what we want to see is the logic that's captured. The same thing with a rolling rack that's holding screens, screens that have to be processed before um, during the night shift in order to get them ready for day one. When the rack is by itself empty, it takes up a smaller footprint than when the rack is filled with screens. The screens extend the function of the rack. And so the border needs to capture that as well. Okay? 
we'll go through more. We're still in extending the border function. I have a few more things to say, and then we'll move to borders as visual controls right after the break. See you in a minute. Thank you. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Hi. I'm very happy to be talking to you today about getting your borders smarter because you got smarter. So this is part of our series. We're in the third section of this show, part of our series on borders where we're really going to do it and do it thoroughly. I touched upon it last year, but this year I'm going back and I'm really combing through and giving you the information that I have learned and that I have uh, kind of organized over these years. So in a way, I'm sharing what I know with you on a, a level of uh, uh, thinking that you want to teach this stuff or that you want to, to uh, understand it yourself in, in great detail. So just before the break, we were talking about extending the border function. And my main um, point there is I want you to not just capture the range of motion, but consider capturing the range of function, which includes the motion of the moving parts, the function of the machine through your borders. Okay, I hope that's fairly clear. The full range of function. Let's look at borders as visual controls. Some of you know that a visual control is a type of visual device. 
although people mistakenly use the word visual control to mean the same as a visual device, it's actually a type of visual device. And it's a kind of visual device that actually gets us to behave a certain way by limiting our choices. A visual control does this through structure or volume or quantity. For example, here's an example of a visual control that's a border. And let's say that we have five different kinds of vinyl material, five different kinds. Maybe the kind will be by color. There's yellow vinyl, red vinyl, blue vinyl, green vinyl, and purple vinyl. And we want to keep well stocked in that. So instead of just putting the the cardboard boxes, the containers of this vinyl in an area called vinyl, maybe red, blue, green, by color even, having an address that's very specific, we want to know exactly how many of each. And so we lay a border down, but we do a grid. We use the borders as a grid, three deep, five rows, three deep, we automatically get the count that we have three of each color and 15 in all, or two of a color because one area is blank. You can see how close to Kanban this is. Kanban is an adaptation of the visual control principle. But let's also look at safety and make sure that people don't kind of hoard this vinyl and stack it up too high where the stacks become unstable. So we put another border against the wall to the height of one box, one container of vinyl. And we also respect the rows. So we see this row going up to the height of one carton of vinyl. So we have 15 by one high. That's a visual control. Okay? Counting has never been easier. Another application of this, I saw this at um, what's called um, Dino Nobel, but used to be called Ensign Bickford in Connecticut where I lived. They did some wonderful applications. And one of them was for empty spools. They had an empty spool storage. And when they got up to 75, they needed to send them back to the supplier. And they were always counting and counting again. 52, 63, 71, 72, 73, 74. Now we have 75. When they learned about visual controls, they simply put a border in place that would hold that quantity, which happened to be three deep and five across. They captured that with a single border that contained 75 empty spools. And whenever it was full, they didn't have to count anymore. Whenever it was full, they were ready to send it back to the supplier. So that's another way to use borders as visual controls. The higher level of visual controls is to put this border function, this is for borders, to put the border function into foam. And you've seen this where 
tools are put into a foam placement in order to get the control function, which is a higher level than, for example, using shadow borders. And by the way, there's a wonderful material. It's called HDPE foam, which stands for high-density polyethylene. That does not deteriorate. Foam was all the rage about 10 years ago, stiff foam as a control, as a control and bordering function. But it deteriorated, it eroded, it granulated, and people stopped using it because it began to contaminate. But now they have this HDPE uh, foam, which doesn't deteriorate, and it is now used extensively in aerospace and also in medical and biomedical industries for parts delivery. Really, really, really good. If you if you're thinking about foam, okay. All right, let's move on to number three: dots and commas. And all that is is sometimes you don't need to, you don't want to bother to put foam all the way around a single thing, especially if it's a small thing. You can just put commas, or you can put a dot as long as the edges of the dot, as long as the dot is wide enough to be seen when the thing is on it so that you know that there is a border underneath it. There are two problems with commas and dots. One is, with a dot, if you have an address which comes next, that address will be covered by the thing itself if it's a dot. I mean, you can put the address around the edge, but it's a little bit tricky. And the same thing with commas. It's really hard, which means they're just little brackets instead of the whole length of the the, uh, the border material. They're little brackets. It's very difficult to have um, to have addresses on them, and it is. You'll hear about this when we start our shows on addresses. A border without an address is asking for mistakes. They go together: border and address, border and address. Border and address. Even when you decide to color code your borders, do not for a moment think that a color coded border is the same as an addressed border because it is not. It is not. You have to have verbal or numerical addresses. Otherwise, you have an incomplete system and you're just asking for mistakes. You are asking for motion. You're asking for rework. You're asking for scrap. You're asking for struggle. Okay, let's move on to person with borders. Person with borders are one of my most favorite of all borders function, all border functions. And it simply means that when you have the bordering function, the boundary function, you're also thinking about the access function. So a person with border is a border that is wide enough to allow a human being to travel over it, to get through to access, okay? It's innovative, it's an adaptation, but it's a, it's very important, especially if your company has not yet gone lean and you still have lots of whip, and especially if you're in a warehouse, whether you're lean or not. These person with borders are fantastic for allowing access between whip, Okay? So you're looking at a loading dock that has no information on the floor, visual, visual, zero visual information sharing, and then you improve it. And so maybe 
on the loading dock, you put three designated lanes that represent, as a visual control, the exact volume needed to fill up an 18-wheeler, a big truck, and that is a good start. It's a good start. But what happens when the whip is in place high and deep and you have no way to access it? Remember, it's three across. You have three designated lanes. And you're wondering if you packed the J-190s. Gee, they have to get out today. Did we, did we pack it? Did we not? Gee, we can't access that center lane. We can access it on either side. Gee, we're going to have to ask Joe the move man. We go, we find Joe, and we say, hey, Joe, hey, Aunt Jim, I'm awfully sorry, but we got to make sure that the J-190s are in this shipment. And I can't, I don't know what's going on in the center lane, and I can't find it on either side or either end. Would you mind, Joe, would you mind moving it all out so we can access it, please? We need to find a better way. What we can do instead is... Decide to install person with borders that will allow me or you or Joe to find out if the J-190s are on the dock, are in the stacks, without moving a single pallet. This is very, very, very important. Yes, you will use up some space, some extra space, because your borders will be about three feet wide instead of about six or seven inches or maybe 10 inches, 10, 12 inches. But it is well worth it because you can take care, you can be self-regulating. You can answer your own questions because you have access and you're using the border doubled up, double ways. And you know, this is important of, as I said a moment ago, it's very important around the machines. It's very important where you have whip. It's very important where you have forklift. Drivers And later on, when we talk about slanted borders, which we'll do right after a break in a moment, you will also think about person with borders on a slant so that you can access easily, but also the forklift can access easily. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment uh, as we go into the next and the final part of today's show. And I'll see you in just a minute. Thanks. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. 
Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. This week, my guest is the former Secretary of the Treasury under President Bush, Mr. Paul O'Neill. Mr. O'Neill will be here to talk about why reinvesting Clinton's surplus in Social Security was a good idea, how the current global recession was predictable, and what is needed to secure America's financial future. Don't miss Paul O'Neill this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Hi, I just got an email from Gerard from Kansas, in Kansas, and he said, he says, you talk about borders as though they're your best friends, as though you know them personally. I have to laugh. I'll, I'll write him after the show. That's exactly the way I feel about borders. First of all, when I discovered them, discovered what I hoped they could be, I wanted to get to know them better. And I began to try things out with them. I began to take them for a walk and see what they could do, how they could perform, what else they could do for me, what they could do for the people I was working with. And they turned out to be sturdy, sturdy, reliable friends that I could go to with a question that they would be able to answer. They became a part of the vocabulary of the operational floor. And so exciting and so useful. Yeah, they are. They're my, they're my very, very good friends. And, uh, you know what? Uh, some of my closest friends are boarders. <laughs> Thank you, Gerard. I'm so glad you noticed. Thank you. Okay, so right um, before the break, we were just finishing person with borders. So you understand, you know, this band of yellow. You have a pile of wood before in front of your machine. The forklift driver is putting it there. You think that he's dumping it there. And you want to do something about it. And so you create an access. And you can't get to your machine. Oh, by the way, did I forget to say that? You can't get to your machine because the whip is in the way. And you're thinking, you know, that guy means well, but he's creating so much problems for me. How can I build in the information, the meaning, the dimension of meaning into the floor that he shouldn't block my access path? Well, how about if I put an access path there? Bright yellow, bright green, bright blue, an access path. I can even name it. Gwendolyn's walkway, Gwendolyn's garden path, access to CNC 25. Please do not block. But I put it there prominently on the floor, and then I make room for the whip on either side so I can always, always get through. That's what we're talking about. So when I was talking, right after, right before the break, where I was talking about combining that with slanted borders. I know I skipped dash borders, but I'll get to it next week. So if you remember, I introduced slanted or angled borders about three or four or five shows ago when I was talking about smart placement and we discussed the principle, use the natural flow line. Remember I said very little in life happens at right angles. Why should life at work be any different? 
Borders set at a slight angle will allow forklift drivers to easily put and pick material. Okay? So this is smart placement thinking. The thinking came first, then captured in actual borders. And if you remember, it was Bill Podowski, who was the day shift move man at Denison Hydraulics, who said to Sheila and uh, Dorothy, gee, those right-angled grids that you're making make it awfully hard for me to maneuver my forklift. Would you mind if I cut the corner? That's when we discovered how powerful slanted borders, borders on an angle, can be for the quick and safe movement of material. Jimmy, in the same uh, plant, Jimmy, who was a machinist, did that for his pickup right on the edge of the main aisle. And he used borders to squeeze every inch of use out of his cell, out of his cell real estate. In the same plant, and I was gone for about three months over the summer, I came back and I saw this unbelievably gorgeous um, application. And by the way, if you send me, if you email me, I will send you a photograph of this. It's fantastic. It is slanted borders and person with borders combined where material was both fast moving on the slanted border side and slow moving on the inside, which was a grid. And the grid part required Joe the move man, I'm sorry, Bill Podowski, the move guy, to move the pallets in order to access things that were on the inside. But the outside of the area, and this was a vast area, I would say it was 100 by 300 feet, vast storage area, he was able to pick and put very, very quickly because that was a slanted side. And down the center of this, with the slanted borders on the left and the grid on the right was this delicious, gorgeous, magnificent yellow person with border. Fantastic, fantastic application. So think about that, your slanty borders for your move man and your person with borders for access and for boundary. Let's go back to dashed borders. Dashed borders are really cool to use because um, they indicate locations that are sometimes designated, I'm sorry, are sometimes used but only sometimes. They're designated but it shows us it shows us that this is not a permanent placement. And when there's nothing there, when there's nothing in the place, we are very likely able to utilize the real estate that is uh, and kind of cross, uh, um, lay across it. Okay, so think about dashboards for naming or designating locations that are only sometimes used. You still want to designate it. Because in most repeatable processes, you're going to be doing that again and again, needing that space again and again. Let me see if I can squeeze in one more before the end of today's show. And that'll be photocopied borders, which I love. You know, benchtop borders can be just as innovative as the ones on the floor. And about 20 years ago, no, no, what am I talking about? 35 years ago. A resident visual genius at United Electric Controls outside of Boston, his name is Bob Camo. I've spoken about him often. 
He was looking for a shortcut for laying down borders, in this case, shadow, um, shadow borders for tools. And the shortcut that he came up with, that he invented, was the photocopied border. And so he would carry his hand tools over to the photocopier, lay them on the glass very gently, press the button, he would have instant borders, and then he would cut them out, arrange them properly on some kind of a a piece of cardboard. Yellow was his favorite color, and glue them in place onto this heavy paper and cover them with plexiglass, and then he would lay his tool on top. The plexiglass would protect the border, which was a photocopied border of his tools. The only thing that was tricky was that sometimes the photocopy and the thing itself, the tool and the photocopy of it, would confuse the operator and confuse Bob, and he wouldn't know until he was actually touched it that there was no scissor there or there was no screwdriver there. Maybe he looked three or four feet away and say, oh, my screwdriver is there, and let me begin my work. He would get there. It wasn't there. So it was a little bit tricky to tell. It kind of triggered another form of motion, unintentional though it was, which which was reaching for and not finding. But someone in the shipping department at Alpha Industries cured that. She had the same problem with her tape measure. She didn't know whether it was there or not from a distance. And she put a little red mark on the tape measure itself so she would know, okay, if the red mark is there, that is the tape measure. And she solved that. But photocopy borders are so much fun, and there are so many ways to use it. So even though we haven't completed our list of eight, I think we got through five of them, we'll pick this up where we left off next week. We'll be talking about making your border smarter. And then I think what I will go into is color-coded borders and some of the bordering techniques that you can that you have a choice to use. I also want to talk about double-colored tapes so that you understand what is the problem with those. We'll try to cover that the next time that we meet. And there's a few other things that I'd like to tell you about that might not fit next week. And if not, we'll do it the week after. So borders are fabulous. Some of my best friends are borders. And I want you to be friendly towards them as well. Make these borders function for you. They are the workhorses of the visual wear. had a wonderful time with you today. Thank you so much. I'm feeling much better. Thank you. Stop coughing. Got my voice almost back. And I look forward to the next time. So you know what? This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. And you know what I'm doing? I'm signing off. Thank you. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.